Are you looking for food truck books to read, but you're starting to feel overwhelmed with all the content? Or maybe you're trying to find answers to your questions, but you realize you haven't asked the right questions to get those answers. Well, you're in luck. I wrote the book, Before You Launch a Food Truck, Eight Questions Every Aspiring Food Trucker Should Ask. For the past five years, I have been studying the food truck industry and been a diehard food truck customer. And in the process of that, I've learned a lot about what makes a good food truck stand out among the rest. I took eight of those key concepts and created a book where I could have curbside conversations with each of you about them. What makes this book different is not only that it's digestible and designed to not overwhelm you, but it also propels you into action. You can purchase Before You Launch a Food Truck today at thefoodtruckscholar.com shop in paperback and ebook format, as well as on Amazon. For every copy purchased, I'm donating a copy to organizations committed to helping formerly incarcerated individuals re-enter society, particularly those that are interested in starting their own food business. So, Buy a copy today to help yourself and someone else get rolling and keep trucking. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Food Truck Scholar Podcast. I'm your host, Ariel D. Smith, and I appreciate you for choosing to kick it with me for yet another episode. Make sure you share your thoughts on today's episode on social media using the hashtag TFTS Podcast. Well, it's the first day of the fall semester for me, but just because the summer has officially ended doesn't mean the food truck fun has to. We are exactly two months away from Trucklandia Food Truck Fest in Austin, Texas. Last year, I visited Texas for the first time as a taste judge for Trucklandia and I had a great time. Today, I'm chatting with the founder, Case Erickson, who not only gives me the deets on this year's fest, but also some incredible tips on the industry, such as employee retention. We also discuss the philanthropic side of Trucklandia through its partnership with Keep Austin Fed. It is an amazing mission, and I hope many of you all are a part of it. Actually, when you check out this episode, you can learn how you can help provide meals for thousands of people in Austin, Texas, just by joining in on the fun on October 19th. So sit back and relax. The show starts now. Okay. So for those of you who have been following me for quite some time now, you know that not only do I love going to food trucks, food truck festivals back home, and food truck conferences, but some of my favorite festivals is in Austin, Texas. And guess what? I got Trucklandia today. So I am so, so, so excited. So Kate, could you just take a moment and tell our listeners your name, your affiliation with Trucklandia, and where you're based? Right on. Well, thank you for having me today. Uh, I'm always down for conversations around food trucks and business and all, all the things. So I appreciate you, uh, you, uh, you having me on. All right. This is awesome. So I got a chance to go to Trucklandia last year. So thank you for that. And I got a chance to just meet some really great food trucks. I got a chance to see Moji Grilled Cheese. There was a food truck that had some really good street corn. And I just got a chance to explore Austin, Texas. It was my first time in the state. And I really, really enjoyed myself. So it was a great event. Thank you. Yes. And so to answer your question, it just occurred to me that I didn't really answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was just like, oh, thanks for having me on. Okay. So I'm Chase Erickson. I'm founder and producer of Trucklandia. Originally, it was Truck by Truck West back in 2013. So we produced six festivals. We're going into our seventh festival this year in 2019. And we did it under the name Truck by Truck West, which for people who are familiar with a festival here in um, Austin called South by Southwest, it was kind of a play on that because it was a six-day kind of trailer crawl type of um, uh, of event where we had like 60 food trucks competing for $10,000. And you went around and you got samples. It was kind of like taste of the food trucks. You got, I got samples, and at the end of it, you voted on who you think did the best job, and the winning food truck won $10,000. So, we've had, I think, for two, three years, I want to say, 
And then, you know, the South by Southwest folks sent me a little nasty gram, and I'm just like, okay, I'm just some dude, you know, trying to be cute with words. So I changed the name, just kind of like half-joking around, like, oh, maybe I can get the Portlandia people to come after me with Southlandia. Um, and so that's kind of how it morphed into, <laughs> into that. And um, it also morphed into a one-location type thing, like what you experienced last year, because the feedback that I was getting from some of the trucks were, you know, like we'd have some trucks that would have like 900 people go to it and some trucks would only have like a couple hundred. So as the event kind of morphed and changed and I wanted to make it fair for the $10,000 component part of it, you know, it really did make sense to bring all the trucks together. Um, I still want to, you know, really kind of educate people on where do these trucks live and, and all these things. Um, I got to Austin in 2012, well, late 2011, early 2012. I remember going to one other food truck festival and there were being like 12 or 13 food trucks there, I think. And, you know, I came from DC and I used to own my own restaurants in DC and I've, you know, I've always kind of been in the, been in the food space and appreciated all the, all the foodie things. And we didn't have food trucks. We had that kind of like the push carts, like the hot dog carts, you know, mm-hmm. when I started. And so they kind of just started coming onto the scene when I left. So we didn't really have a food truck scene in DC. So when I got to Austin, I was like, whoa, what's with all these food trucks and what's going on? What's happening? Went to my first food truck thing and it was like, I didn't want to pick just one. Like, I'm just like, oh my God, I want like a little bit of everything. Don't make me pick just one. And so through a course of conversations and congruently, I was also in commercial real estate and consulting, kind of coming off of owning my own restaurants and stuff like that. So I wanted to look for, I was looking for a way to integrate into the, the food truck community to kind of grow my client base and like help the people take their, their business to the next level or expand or, you know, find commercial space or however that looks. And so that's why I started integrating into that community and I met the other event producers and, you know, I'm like, is there any event that's kind of like a little case, casing competition kind of thing? And they said no. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll start it. I put the comp, I put the 10 grand in there, you know, just to make competition interesting. And, you know, also I use it as a metaphor for, you know, that the, even if you quote unquote lose, you, you still win and, you know, how food trucks and businesses can help um, themselves by really causing that customer engagement, getting them to come back. You know, some of my, some of my food trucks that quote unquote lost, you know, saw a, a hunt, an increase of like a hundred regulars, right? And so those regulars are spending, you know, $10 a, a visit. So that basically equates to a $12,000 ROI just for the year, you know, and they were, they were the, they didn't win the 10 grand. So I like to use that as a metaphor as well. And so, yeah, that's the, the, the long answer here to your question of, I guess, how it came about and, and all those stuff. And so, you know, I also partner with Keep Austin Fed, which is my, my nonprofit partnership. And so a percentage of all the ticket sales go back and goes back to support them. And, uh, you know, they're, they're a organization that takes food that normally been thrown away and redistributes it to local food bank charities, shelters, things like, things like that. So they rescued, they've, since they've been keeping track, they've been around since 2007 or 8, I believe, but they've just been keeping track and measuring and weighing the food since 2014. So since 2014, they've rescued 3 million pounds of food. 745,000 pounds alone last year, which equates to around 621,000 meals. And so because they're able to do that and it's just really distributed through a network of volunteers, basically like I go to the grocery store and I get the, the leftover produce that nobody wants, I go pick it up and then I drop it off to like wherever. Like there's a women's shelter that I went to and dropped it off. So because they're able to do that, there's about 180 volunteers that made about 3,000, over 3,400 runs last year. Because they're able to do all that, they're able to take basically $7 and multiply it into like 90 meals, right? So for $7 worth of cost, you can feed someone three meals a day for an entire month. So what the organization is doing is incredible. And because of the support, that we give them that, you know, dollar wise is still, you know, it's pretty substantial. I think it's ten, eleven thousand dollars or something like that we're up to now. But because of the way that they multiply what they do, we've been a part of over a hundred and forty one thousand meals 
distributed to, you know, our community and, and people in our community with food insecurity. And so I'm, I'm like super excited that they're really kind of getting down into their messaging about what, what it is they're doing because it helps me as my, in my business because I'm very philanthropic and I love the food and all that stuff and the parties and all that stuff just as much as the next guy. But you know, who I am as a person is like, I have to know that I'm out there kind of making some kind of difference over and above, hey, we're just having a good time and making money. You know, that's great, too. And I'm one of those people who's, you know, borderline nonprofit guy. You know, so this helps me feel like I'm still kind of in that space. So, yeah, that's really, that's, that's not to throw all, uh, not to throw up all the information on you. But that's what's up. That's what's up. That's what's up. Well, it's all good because I was going to ask you about them anyway, so now I get a chance to take it apart a little bit. So, yeah, okay. uh, with the nonprofit, I might have missed it, but when did you all start partnering with uh, Keep Austin Fed? I started the second year. The first year I was aligned with an organization called, um, I believe it was called Austin Food for Life, and it was kind of like an insurance thing for um, people in the food industry, a supplementary insurance thing. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't, it didn't grow legs and then the company became defunct or whatever. And I ended up, I ended up meeting one of the executive directors at the time uh, uh, for Keep Austin Fed shortly thereafter. And it was like, wow, this is a really good fit, you know, for what I'm up to and feeding and food and all the things. So um, it's been for the past, I guess, five Five out of the six festivals, so 2014 was our first year. That's awesome. And, you know, one of the things that I really do like talking about with the food truck industry is how much food truck owners and food truck organizers are giving. And sometimes it's as small as saying, hey, um, for today I want to give. And that's not even small. Like, for there's one truck in Birmingham, uh, Grand Fish and Grit, they pulled up to a park and they said, hey, everything's free until supplies run out. So if you haven't had a chance to eat or if your child wants something to eat, everything's free today until I run out. Nice. You know? Yeah, of course, you saw Jaden Smith with his um, free vegan thing. Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) Yes, I'm trying to pull Jaden in and have him be a part of the Food Truck Scholar podcast. Okay. You know, I love it. And, you know, there's there's some people, and I can understand, will say, well, that doesn't fix the issue of hunger for right now, the systematic issue. But what I do recognize is that we need people on both fronts. We need people fighting the systematic issue of hunger, but we also need people that are taking the time to feed people today. Because while we're fighting the systematic issue, there are people going hungry each and every day, and we need people that Mm -hmm. can step in and feed them while we also have people fighting on the other front. And so when I see the work that Jaden is doing, the work that you're doing with Trustlandia, with Keep Austin Fed, and the work that so many other people from all across the country are doing, and even globally, that is something that we, we don't want to forget about and we don't want to dismiss. It's still admirable work that needs to be done. Oh, yeah. Much work. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I get really overwhelmed because I really sit and think about it, but it's just kind of like, okay, here's what's in front of me to do today. I can do that. You know what I mean? And I think that I'm very much in alignment with a lot of the, the food truck owners as well. You know, it's kind of like totally like, you know, really some of the hardest working community people that I've, that I've met, you know, it's like owning a restaurant except harder. Like I owned restaurants and I would not do a food truck because I'm like, it's more work. It is more work. People think it's, I don't know if they think it's less work or small or easier or anything like that. It is harder, man. It is harder. I see it. Like, I've been in the restaurant and just, I mean, there's more risk with the restaurant for sure. But, I mean, there's this a lot. It's, it's a lot. So, I mean, I commend uh, any of the food trucks, the food, food truck owner trailer, whatever, period. And especially if there's any any of them that are doing any kind of give back thing or anything like that because there's not a lot of money there's not a lot of revenue you know you're in it to like prove your business to scale up you know like i tell people like don't do this because you think you're gonna you think you're gonna make money or anything like that i mean there's there's a few anomalies that were like making money hand over fist but for the most part it is it's not 
you know, you're there to prove your concept to, to, to scale it, to either go into the CPG space or the, you know, consumer packaged goods, you know, that, that whole retail, um, execution component side of your business or the brick and mortar restaurant. You know, I've got a client that I'm working with right now helping her get her food truck launched and she already has her, uh, brick and mortar investors, but they, they told her, like, she originally went to them with a brick and mortar concept and they're like, no, you gotta do, you gotta prove your concept first with a trailer. Mm. So, you know, like that's her whole, you know, kind of her whole timeline and vision is like, okay, I'll do your trailer and I'll prove the thing and I'll find my market and I'll do all the things, which is really good. Like I get that as a, as a, you know, as a means to, to prove your concept. I mean, my brother did the same thing kind of sort of with his brewery. It's got a brewery just north of New Orleans. And, um, you know, he started doing homebrew and tailgates at Saints games and he kind of had his built in following just from homebrews and giving stuff away and doing all this kind of like those kinds of parties and things, pop-ups and stuff, um, to where he was able to, once he, he get a partner and execute the lease and actually start, you know, uh, manufacturing it at a, a brewery facility and build it out. He had that built-in audience and that built-in following and all those things. So, you know, it is good in that regard that the whole, you know, scalability side of food trucks and trailers and, um, but it is not easy work at all. So I commend, <laughs> I commend everybody on the front line and extra bonus points if you're doing anything to where, you know, you're giving back or anything like that. And one of my other, one of my other clients, they do, cause they have a lot of catering overruns. And so anytime, you know, I see this a lot, you know, there's like, you know, catering for a thousand people, right? And so you make food for a thousand and only 700 show up and you've got 300 extra meals. So they take their meals and they give them to, you know, the, one of the shelters here in Austin. Or there's, you know, there's just, there's, you know, places where, um, <clears throat> people who don't have homes are congregated and things like that. They distribute them there. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, the community is definitely very philanthropic, very hardworking, and, um, I'm happy to support them however I can. And, and definitely the need is, the need is great for sure. You said something just now, Case, that I want to talk about a little bit. So you had a food truck uh, owner. She Well, she wanted to go for a brick-and-mortar restaurant, uh-huh. and then they told her, you need to prove your concept with a food trailer. Right. With, with you being someone who has owned a restaurant, has ran a restaurant, is that something that you're seeing more financial institutions lean towards now or this has always been a concept of you must prove your concept in some form, whether it's a food trailer or a pop-up, before we can grant you the capital to start the restaurant? Well, yeah. I mean, there everybody wants... It just depends on the nature of the uh, where people are getting their funding from. You know, so I've seen that I've seen people start their restaurants with inheritance money or, you know, maybe they had a home, they sold their home and they had money from that and, you know, had one, one client of mine, he, um, they literally sold, sold their house and moved into an apartment and, you know, started a business with their hundred grand that they made from their house. So, <clears throat> but I've seen other family money and then other people, you know, for us personally, it was like we were, I kind of like was, you know, begging everybody on the street, for lack of better words, my family at the time. It was like I had, you know, my, mother-in-law, my mother-in-law's husband, my sister-in-law, my sister-in-law's husband, my mom, like, it was like, who's got money and who's going to help me open this? You know, so, <laughs> um, but, you know, so it's like, I had to prove, and at the time, it's like, it's kind of like the pitch, right? The pitching process. So the pitching process can, you're selling, you're selling that, hey, this is a viable concept and I'm a viable, you're not necessarily, like, Here's the one thing that I would like everybody to get if they're looking and if they're in the funding space, whether they're looking to raise funds for a food truck or trailer or restaurant, you're not so much selling your concept. Yes, that's a part of it, but what you're really selling is yourself. You're selling your, like, your concept. You're, you're like, hey, I can do this, right? Like, this is, this is a concept. And then so you touch on, like, your market differentiators, what makes your concept unique and all these other things. But really, there's not too much out there that is totally 100% unique. True. You know, you're still going to have to differentiate yourself. The number one way that you can differentiate yourself is like, why, you know, if I'm an investor, it's like, why are you different? Like, what makes you different? Why, why am I going to give you my 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100, whatever? So, 
there's always been that opportunity for people in the fundraising space to have to prove why they deserve the money. And so now that two trucks and trailers are on the scene, a lot of investors are defaulting to like, well, where else have you done this? And where else have you proven your concept? So the market has definitely changed in that regard with investors wanting to see, you know, like, okay, before I give you 300 grand, how about what have you done on your own? You know, have you made, and this is the benefit of, you know, you can open a food truck trailer maybe for 20, 30, 40, 50, you know, I think, I've seen people do it for as little as 25, but as much as 125. So, uh, but I definitely have seen that, that they, that they want to see some kind of, some kind of proof of concept. So, you know, for me personally, it was like my, my wife at the time, she had grown up in restaurants. Her father owned restaurants, you know, so it was kind of in her blood. I was, you know, washing dishes in Pizza Hut from 15 years old to delivering pizza to running to, to waiting tables to managing the bar, uh, you know, to, to running the, you know, managing one of the restaurants I worked in. I was very entrepreneurial. I had, you know, kind of my own real estate practice at the time. So I kind of brought that kind of front of house guy, you know, that, that kind of entrepreneurial component to it. And then she brought the, the food and the back of house component to it. And so I just was like, here's why we can do it. And I did the, the, in the pitching process, I was like, okay, here's, here's all the restaurants in, in our current market. <clears throat> here's their price point. Here's the, here's what they're serving. Here's the demographic. Here's the average, uh, dining out trend. Here's what we can expect on our market share, and here's what you can expect to make. And so it was, you know, the business plan component of it that nobody really wants to do, but it's really essential to do, that I use as a pitch. So, you know, never really owning a a restaurant or anything like that before, never doing any pop-ups, never, I mean, I wasn't even a cook, really, and I had three restaurants, you know, so... Um, I think that people now, in, in long answer to your question, investors and, and things like that, any, if you're, if people are going to be funding it outside of themselves, meaning outside of themselves or their family or, or maybe Kickstarter, if they're, if they're going to do it some, some other way where they're bringing in partners, those partners are definitely in the space where they want to see it's not enough anymore, I don't think. Um, if someone's like, oh, I've worked in a restaurant for 15 years, well, okay, that's enough, so what? You know, like, that means nothing because of the amount of responsibilities that you have to do as a, as a business owner. They really want to be like, okay, how have you, where are you doing what it is you're doing? Are you doing private events? Are you doing pop-ups? Are you doing markets? Are you doing something? Truck trailer is a really good, you know, it's a really good avenue for anybody if they're really looking to, hey, eventually I want 100, 200, 300 grand. How can I do it and get out there and improve myself? You know, what is so rich about what you just said is that a lot of times we just fall on, oh, if I just say I've been doing this for 10 years, that should be enough. Nope. Whereas you had to say, well, not only have I been, you know, working at Pizza Hut since I was 15 years old, I've worked from all of these different aspects. You know, I've, I've done dishes, I've done the delivery, I've managed it, you know, I've ran it, like I've I've seen all of these different aspects of it, and how does that translate to the current project that I'm proposing right now? And then in addition to that, you still had to have more information. It was not just your experience. You had to do the research behind the current project proposal and what people could expect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think a lot of people want to circumvent that in the process, like, and you just, I mean, if you really want to look at your business and treat it like a business, you got to like be a business about it. You got to get the business in your business, you know, <laughs> and it's just something that's essential and you can't necessarily fly by the seat of your pants. I mean, because you're going to be flying by the seat of your pants every day and it's always going to change and grow and adapt and all those things. But for sure, you know, and even, even so, even with all the experience that my partner at the time had and I had and all the things. The first night we opened, we didn't do a lick of advertising. The community was just like begging for us. We put a tiny little now open thing on the door and we served like 150 people like our first. It wasn't even like a day. It was like the first two or three hours. And I found out my grill cook did not speak English. That through training him, 
the fry cook was like his buddy and had been like translating the ticket because we did training, we did soft opening, we did all these things. He was like translating the ticket to him and telling him like what it said and stuff. And you know, my concept was like uh, wings, burger, fry, you know, kind of like uh, upstate New York meets Southern comfort food. Mm-hmm. So we had a pretty, pretty big menu. But I mean, it's like, when we opened, it was just like ticket after ticket after ticket. I mean, the people just like came, they just were like lined with people. And we just had karma language, but we had our asses handed to us. And, you know, Fry Dude was in the weeds and he could not, there was no way he was translating anything to Grill Dude. Grill, grill Dude's literally just standing there staring. <laughs> I'm like, there's a board full, like a video screen board full of like ticket, like, uh, of, Screams, screams, multiple screams of, of order. Tickets are just like falling off the printer. I just want to like throw myself off the cliff. I mean, we were in probably like an hour and a half ticket times, I, I, I bet at least. Um, and it was just like, I couldn't, you know, there was nothing to do other. I mean, it was just like comping all the food, just giving everything away. Like, and there was no philanthropy attached to it at all. It was like, sorry, we suck, you know. So, you know, we still, we still, with all that, with all the planning, with all the experience and all the things, we still had all those hiccups. So, you know, it, it took us, I don't know, probably, just to give you an idea, we, our first place had a staff of 25, and uh, in our first eight months open, we went through 400 W-2s, 400 mm-hmm. employees, 400 employees in winter. So, but when we sold the restaurants by year five, uh, we had gone a year and a half, like 18 months with 100% employee retention at that one store. So we had gone from, you know, that to, to that. So it really, you know, we learned a lot, obviously, being in, in on the ground there and, and how to build those efficiencies and the communication and, and the training platform and policies and procedures and all the things. You know, and our take average ticket time, you know, obviously it was an hour and a half the first night, and then we got it down to maybe like seven, seven to 12 minutes, depending on item. So, yeah, it's all part of the, it's definitely all part of the learning process. So, I mean, <clears throat> when I say that food trucks are harder than restaurants, like, at food trucks, I get it. Like, it's harder than that whole thing that I went through. Like, I still would be like, oh, hell no. <laughs> don't, give me no don't give me no food truck. Because you have all that. you got a line of people. And you're in a, you're in a tin box. You're like sweat. You know, this is in Austin. So, it's hot AF here. And, um, yeah, man, like, it's. It's it's tough for sure, but I think long long answer to your question, you know, a lot of investors want to see that, and they want to see want to see improve yourself. So I mean, the the good news is a lot of people on the ground they are, and they're expanding and they're growing, and they're they're putting in their time for sure. So I'm happy to showcase whoever whoever's doing whatever it is they're doing out there for sure. Four hundred W two. Uh huh. That was crazy. <laughs> so this this just falls right in line with my question. I could not have planned this more perfectly if I wanted to. Uh-huh. <laughs> One of the things that I'm noticing that some food trucks struggle with is securing employees. Mm. And after going from 400 W2s to 100% employee retention in over in over a year's time, what advice or tips or strategies would you give to a food truck only looking for employees? Well, man, I, you know, I hear that a lot and it's just like, how do you, how do you track top talent? You know, and restaurant folk, myself included, are like the misfits. I totally put myself in that, like, we're misfit. You know, it's kind of like, we are, man. We are like the little misfit troublemakers of society. And that's why I love, I love being in it. <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it's just like we're a special breed, you know. And food truckers are like the misfits of the misfits, right? And so <laughs> it's like, how do you, attract, so it's really a challenge for them to attract talent, attract and, and, and keep the talent. So, the niche that food truckers have that I'd like them all to use in attracting that talent is kind of like seeing, you know, these multi-level marketing, network marketing kind of ground floor, you know, get in while you can, you know, everybody can be a millionaire kind of thing. Um, but not, not to that degree, but really like focus on ground floor opportunity with, with a company 
and really position yourself as you're going somewhere. Like this is not about the food truck. Like really, so two twofold. Be aligned with your vision of who you are and where you're taking the company. If I could tell anybody anything, I would say do not open a food truck for the sake of the food truck. Like open it for the sake of a restaurant or CPG or some sort of expansion, right? And really be aligned with that vision and know where you're going and know where you're headed. Give yourself a timeline and allow yourself to be flexible with that. But really, so you're, you sell that vision to your employees like, hey, I'm really looking for a core team of people who want to grow with me, you know, and really staying focused on that and not just like, oh, my God, I need somebody to work a shift tomorrow because I'm dying, you know, like, not that. And <laughs> I get I get that's how it feels. I totally understand wanting to throw yourself off a cliff because you've been working 14, 16, 18 hour days on your feet and then, you know, not even talking about, you know, going to shop for groceries, getting the food, making the food, all of the things. I want to, I want to also recommend an amazing book, um, the E-Myth Revisited for anybody who's listening. Have you read that? No, but I'm about to add it to my list. The E-Myth. Yeah. I, I believe. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I believe Darnell Creech, who does Soul Food Trust I believe I got this recommendation from him as well. Yeah, a really, really good book. Uh, he uses, and the name of the author escapes me, but he uses um, a restaurant owner as an example throughout the story and really highlights these essential principles and personality types of, you know, you know, manager type, an entrepreneurial type, and then a transactional type. You know, somebody who's good at all these different components and how we can be kind of in this transactional space. I don't even know if transactional is the word, but anyway, it's a really good, good conversation. And so, you know, it kind of hits on like, you're, you're doing all the things. You're doing all the things and it's exhausting. But if you're not in, in alignment with where you're going and what you're doing, you're just going to exhaust yourself and you're just going to, um, kind of put band-aids over a, a, a bleeding wound. So I would say, you know, really know where you're going, where your vision is, and really getting people aligned with that and focusing on what makes you unique as a food truck is that you're not a restaurant. You're not this big growing thing that people can get in on the ground floor. Being willing to, you know, and I think a lot of people are like, oh, God, you know, you get what you pay for, and we don't want any newbies, and we want somebody who's got this wealth of experience and all these things. We understand that those people are probably going to be going to the better-known restaurants and, you know, the more established kind of businesses. So you're going to be attracting people who are not necessarily, um, who, who could possibly not necessarily be as, as, as skilled. So, you know, being willing to work with, I've seen some success with, um, and by skilled, I mean not as trained, you know, with, with not as much experience. I don't mean capacity, you know, uh, capacity or talent or any of those things. Um, I've seen some success with partnering with some different culinary schools, community schools, um, even high schools, you know, for food trucks, hey, you know, we've got this position, we've got this hiring, um, to kind of really almost provide a platform for, for training. And understand too, I totally get like, oh my god, we don't want somebody new, but I think people just kind of need to get over that component of it because the food truck is going to attract people who are who are uh, like new to the scene and who want to get in on the ground floor kind of a thing. So, you know, vision and then be willing to work with somebody who's new. And then all the other components and what I kind of really what I focus on with a lot of my consulting clients is just like it's it's all everything is attached. Like you can't necessarily focus on one component of your business to make it good and then some other some other component of your business sucks. And you're still going to have great employees and you're still going to keep, you know, this, this whole notion of attracting and keeping, keeping and attracting good talent. You know, you look at companies who are huge, who like, do you think Facebook has a problem attracting talent? Do you think Google has problems attracting talent? Do you think Amazon has problems attracting talent? No. Um, so what are they doing apart from, you know, being these huge, huge, you know, corporations? What are they, what are they doing? And, and, how are they disrupting the marketplace and how are they differentiating themselves and all those things to keep the talent. So, you know, like I said, I had a staff of maybe 25 um, <clears throat> at each one of the locations. So maybe like a hundred staff total, um, give or take. Uh, 
but it was it was all like what am I doing what's my branding what's my messaging what's my food quality what's my staffing so a lot of my I had a, a set schedule which is another thing that my my employees really liked I really empowered them I was like look here's what your schedule is and it took me a while to get there it wasn't like right out of the gate you know <clears throat> it took me a good year probably before I knew that you know Jen and Melissa could work together in section one and section three and Jose was good at grill and Jorge was good at fry and Victor was good at dish and all these things right and so you know I had a set schedule for people um, and so from the front of house component it worked because you know my customers knew that Jen worked every Monday you know every Monday Jen was there you know, and if for whatever reason Jen wanted to take a Monday off, she had to get it shift approved and signed off and all these things. But it was it was Jen's shift. You know, same thing same thing with my kitchen. So I think that helped to provide this atmosphere of responsibility and empowerment and you know, the ownership really, you know, like they own they own their thing. Like this is your station, this is your restaurant, this is your kitchen, this is your front of house. You know, and really help them feel like they were part of a team in that way. And then also, you know, really created structure, uh, and clear communication policies and respect and mutual respect. And so from the very beginning, I was like, here's what I expect. Here's what is required of you. The first 10 days is totally trial, like I can fire, I can see if it's going to be a fit or not be a fit and say bye Felicia and love you long time and this is just not a fit for you and then, you know, for 30 days after that, here's what it is, I have them sign this thing, very clear because for me as a person, I, I learned that I didn't want to feel bad for firing someone, right, mm. because, uh, you know, it's kind of like I want them to like me and I want to, I want, I don't want them to hate me as a person and I have all this other you know, kind of things about my man, my particular managerial skill that I feel were were weaknesses <clears throat> um, at the time. But really, I used those structures and policies to help me be like, you know what? I am being fair. I am being clear. I love you as a person, and you're not following my expectations. So, you know, get the f out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> like that. It wasn't <laughs> you know, but it was. It helped. It, totally helped, you know, and I had like a verbal warning, written warning, and then third strike, you're out. It's very clear, very simple. So it helped me keep the good people, you know, because the good people want to stay. And so if I'm tolerating riffraff, if I'm tolerating anything that's below those standards that I set, it's going to piss off all the good people. Not only am I going to be pissed off, it's going to piss off the good people. And the good people are going to be like, I'm out of here. This sucks. You know, so it's really, again, comes back to your vision and what you're committed to. So, um, you know, and, and the clear policies around that and respect and honoring the other person. Um, but then on the, on the front end, as far as the customers are concerned, I mean, this all sounds fine and groovy and great, but if I'm not, if I'm not, you know, putting out a product out there, if I don't have a good product, if I don't have a valuable product, if I'm not delivering an experience, the the customers aren't going to show back up and they're not going to, I'm not going to have any money for people. So <clears throat> that was the other thing that I focused on was the, the, the brand, the overall brand experience, you know, and, and it's not necessarily about what, what the food is. It's a component of what the food is, but it's like, is the food hot? Is the food timely? Is the food good? Right. And are, how are you serving it to people? How are you treating people? Are we treating everybody who comes through that door as paying your power bill? Thank you so much for showing up that so I can pay my power bill. <laughs> yes. You know, because it all adds up. That space of gratitude, that energy of gratitude, that energy of family, that energy of vision, that all, all of the things, you know, and, and really kind of hitting on all the points. Um, and now what's shifted now in the industry that I've seen is this whole like social media component. You know, keep in mind Instagram's there. I don't even think it came onto the scene. It was like towards the tail end there was Yelp and that was pretty much it. Facebook came in in 2008. My places were 2005 to 2010. So now we have this whole like social component where we have these quote unquote influencers out there and <clears throat> it's like they're taking these pretty pictures and they're doing all these things. He's kind of having to compete on a branding level 
And this kind of like brings it back to kind of where, where I really, um, where I shine and help people the most. I call myself my queer eye for the restaurant guy, for lack of a better word. But, you know, not everybody has this kind of like a branding eye and like, what are you doing? How are you putting yourself out there on a social scope just to bring people in? You know, like, what do you do? What's the presentation of the food? What's the presentation of your truck? What's the branding? What's the, what's, what's all of it? Like, that's all part of the experience now. What people get when they show up. You know, so the food truck, in two years, so uh, one of the guys that won, um, Trucklandia, I let him in a second time and then he won again and everyone's like, man, this is some bullshit. <laughs> just like, it's just gotta be ripped off. I know, right? I was like, at the time, I was like, okay, man, bring it. You got to do some a different item. So he did a different item, and he still won. I was like, oh, snap. But anyway, what all the feedback of why people uh, voted for him was because, like, they were like, man, Chef Eric really spent time with us, and he explained his dish, and, you know, I felt like I was on a Food Network show, you know, like, and there was, like, a line of people, and he didn't care. He was like, you got this, you got this, you got this, you got this. And he really delivered to them an experience. And that's the other thing I tell people too, like, <clears throat> um, who frequent, why I encourage people to frequent food trucks over restaurants is because you're like 90%, uh, I, I feel like you have a 90% chance of like being served by like the head honcho, the owner, the founder, the head chef, the payroll person, the accountant, everybody, you're going to be served by him and you're going to get a chance to know that person. Um, this is not necessarily something that you get from, from a restaurant experience. So he gave that experience to his, his guests. And I really love, you know, food truck owners to really get into that space of like really thinking like, what kind of experience am I giving? Is this a guest that's coming, uh, coming to my window right now, you know, and really delivering, delivering all the things like you don't, you don't have the luxury of being a novelty anymore as a food truck owner. People are showing up, like, expecting, like, restaurant quality type of an experience now because food, the food truck market is so saturated mm-hmm. that, you know, it's not like, oh, I've got a food truck. Aren't I cool? Well, okay, and dot, dot, dot. You know, so now we have all these things like, oh, well, this food truck went brick and mortar. And this food, like, what do you got for me? Who's your head chef? And, you know, like, all these things. That are now like, how pretty is your Instagram and how many do, you, how many, you know, all the things, right? And so there's, there's a lot of pressure as well to, to be on it. I, you know, I'm, I, I, again, I just kind of, I, I commend them all for, for doing all the things that they do. Um, but it's all attached. My whole, the whole moral of the story is like, it's all attached. So because I focus on the branding and the experience and the food quality and the, all the things, um, and the consistency, I would say consistency is huge, whether that's staffing consistency or food consistency or any of those things. I continue to build my business and people, people came back, right? So I had like three time a week regulars and they knew what they were going to get. You know, people know what they're going to get. That's the McDonald's model. I mean, everyone wants to badmouth McDonald's, but you know what you're going to get. There's no surprises there. And that's going to be like, what? This wasn't the, you know, whatever the you know cheeseburger that I got last week, this is totally different. Like, nobody says that. So there's value in consistency. Like, how that translates to your business is your business grows and you make more money. So by And because when you make more money, you're able to pay your people. And when you can pay your people, they stay, right? So at the end of the day, it does come down to business and what you're doing for your business and how you're making money and how you're able to pay your people and how you're able to actually grow your business. So it's not any one like uh one thing, okay, do this, do this employee policy manual and then you'll retain and keep good talent. It's like, yes, that's a component of it, but be aligned in your vision. Have 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 authentic branding and messaging, deliver quality value, service, convenience, all those all those things. Um and boom, you're done. <laughs> that's it Ariel that's it I mean no big deal right that's um, <laughs> not a lot you know that's a little bit here, oh so. mercy I'm getting myself all worked up over here <laughs> but I love it you know all the things that you said that what that really comes down to is being in line with your core vision and mission of your brand 
making sure, and in order to do that, making sure that you have created an organizational culture that is in line with your brand that your employees can buy into, making sure that you have solid um, customer relationship management. And here's the thing. With a lot of food trucks on it, sometimes these food trucks aren't year-round. So, right. <laughs> you're, you're like that whole search for solid employees becomes exacerbated because now right. you can only guarantee these employees, you know, work a certain amount of months out of the year and then mm. hopefully they come back in the next season. Sometimes they don't. Mm. So you mm-hmm. have, you know, you have this revolving door. And so at this point, extrinsic motivation for your employees is not enough. They also have right. to have your intrinsic motivation. And that's what you were talking about when they feel ownership and stakeholdership in the company, in the food right. truck. It's, it's not just, oh, this is where I show up, you know, I'm going to put some burgers, make some tacos, put a salad together, make a smoothie, whatever. It's, this is my station. This is my grill. I do this. This is right. my place. And that pushes them to feel like, you know what? Yeah, I'm coming back because I believe in this vision and I, I see where my talent and my gifts are not just needed, but celebrated here. Right. And so, I mean, that, it, all, it all trickles down from the owner, from the founder, from the person. So, you know, it takes a lot of mental commitment to get out of the, oh, my God, I'm just flipping burgers and making a taco today. Because at the end of the day, mechanically, that is what you're doing. Right. And so to really kind of zoom out of like, okay, I'm making a burger and a taco, but really what am I doing? How is this attached to my vision and commitment, my direction and all the things? Like, where am I going? I'm at the helm of the ship, right? So my number one responsibility, any food truck, restaurant, whatever you're doing, whatever business you have, like you're at the helm of the ship. Everything comes from you. You are the source of it all. And that's the other thing I'd like to get, like, like really taking personal responsibility because a lot of people are like, man, this person did this and this person did that and this person sucks and this person da 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 and this person stood me up and I get it. And, um, like, how are you going to react to it energetically? How are you going to take responsibility for it energetically? And, and how are you going to set the tone for the people who come up on your ship? Right? Like, everybody's ship is different. And I've noticed this, like, particularly, like, on an energetic level, and not to get all super woo-woo, but I, I'm definitely into the woo-woo on, like, the business coach, life coachy side of everything. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're definitely, it's all connected. It's all a reflection. Like, you're pissed off, and you're not grateful, and you're angry about this side or the other. Don't think you're going to make a lot of money that day. Or, even if you do, it's a fluke. Don't think it's going to stay. Don't think your good people are going to stay. I mean, I've, I've physically been at trucks and like visiting people where people like a uh, customer will come up to the window and the guy's like, what do you want? I'm like, what? Who does that? You know, like little things like that. Like, and I get it. Like the dude had had a shitty day, pardon my language. And I get it. Like there's all the reasons in the world to be pissed off and tired and exhausted and none of that matters you've got to put on your game face and be clear where you're going and stay in that stay in that space of you know what i'm going to be grateful for everybody who walks into the door because who knows who they could be they could be my next investor they could be my next angel they could be my next james smith they could be my next who knows thank you thank you thank you thank you for coming up thank you for showing up thank you for you know, just being in that space energetically is what I'd also like people, like, with all the minutiae and the logistics of everything that you feel like you have to do, just really ask yourself, like, what can I be thankful for today? You know, and really just, like, with each step and, like, being like, okay, I can do this. I'm thankful for this. I can accomplish this and not, you know, have the vision out there, but then also not get overwhelmed, <laughs> not get overwhelmed with the vision. Uh, in, in the day to day, you know, and just to bring that energy of, of gratitude into, into your business and see, see how that affects the, your customers that you interact with and as well as your employees. I couldn't agree more on that because you never know who's watching you. 
Henry mm-hmm. Calder. Henry Calder is known for saying, while you're in your present, your future is watching you. So, it, he said it last night, and I was like, I, I gotta remember that. He said, while you're in your present, your future is watching you. There's an investor mm. in your line that is waiting to see if the picture that you posted about your food is consistent with the product they actually get. There is mm-hmm. journalists and media personalities that sometimes they announce themselves at, at festivals, sometimes they don't. Right. And they're going to write about, post about, blog about, whatever, tweet about their experience at your truck. Yep. Many that's a lot of pressure, but yeah, yeah, that's a lot of pressure, but at the same time, it's like everybody matters, you know? Yeah. For sure. And I think for the most part, I see that on the community level. I see so many of the food truckers understanding that, you know, and really, really being super grateful and super thankful and just really hardworking. And, and they understand, they understand that for sure. It's just, I think it's, it's just a matter of like staying consistent with it and being aligned with your vision and not getting kind of dragged down with all the minutia of the day to day. And you know, that's something that you can apply to. Not just any business, but just for your own personal life is reminding yourself, okay, whatever job you have, whatever career you have, even if you had a bad day, even if you make $8 an hour, you're like, okay, well, I was here three hours and that's a gas. You know, it's just trying to, you know, uh-huh. revamp and reposition yourself to think positively. That's something that we all go through. We all have moments we're like, you know what, I'm tired of this. Forget this job, forget you, yeah. forget you, forget you. Right. All of y'all yeah. can go. But right. <laughs> all of y'all can go somewhere. But taking a moment to reposition yourself and and uh refresh your mind and look through it from a different perspective, not only make sure that you're the best person you can be for others and for, you know, whatever job or passion I can have, it also makes you feel better at, at the same time. Yeah, for sure. So, yep. let's talk about the Truckalandia Festival that's taking yep. place. So give me the details. I'm going to know. Yeah, so it's uh, coming up October 19th, third Saturday in October. For anybody who follows stuff in Austin, it is the weekend after ACL, which is one of our big music festivals here. And, uh, yeah, it's looking like 25. I've got like 23. I just looked yesterday. I'm at like 22, 23. And I'm like this close to announcing the lineup. I'm shooting the line, uh, announce at the peak. Uh, so 25 food trucks competing for $10,000. And I'm really excited about the lineup this year. And I think I've got maybe just like one repeat from last year. Otherwise, all of, all of the people are new. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty much, pretty much what's up. It's going to be our seventh year, $70,000. Woohoo. Um, I know, right? So, I'm kind of like coaching myself in this conversation. <laughs> what am I doing? Where's my business going? What's the vision? Oh, wait. Hold on. Let me just get through this day. Um, <laughs> you know, because it's true. Like, it is, it's, uh, the whole event production world is uh, a lot. Uh, yeah. So, and what I'm passionate about, where I'm taking my, you know, it's kind of like this. The, the food trucks have been kind of this microcosm of, of metaphor for expanding and growing. Okay, like where do I personally want to take uh, my business and the festival and things like that? And so, you know, really focusing on training and development and coaching and mentoring and consulting and, and all those things is really what um, I'm going to continue to focus on and grow. But there's just so many, so many things on uh, on the docket. You know, I'm excited that... Uh, Definitely focusing on the keep off and fed component more this year mm-hmm. uh, than than in the year previous. But since then, I guess uh, my unofficial or my official title is advisor to the board, although I'm not on the board of directors per se. Um, just advisor and inside of you know marketing, PR, and promotions and things. Um, so I'm excited to be shifting my messaging around. This is this is what your support means on a meal basis, right? Like, so, um, because 10% of every ticket goes back to Keep Austin Fed, 
not only you so you get your ticket and you get you know tastings at 25 food trucks you're also feeding a 50, you're also providing 15 meals you know so it's like it's a win-win right so i'm really going to focus on the philanthropic kind of side to what i produce and the festival that i produce because that's not really that to me is a market differentiator not very many if any that i know of festivals i mean there's a lot of that are like the philanthropical philanthropic um foundations and things like that you know with the bigger festivals but you know really focus on that for me is what i'm gonna be doing this year I think it's awesome. It's only like 90 days, 90, I don't even know. I got this little, I've got this little, uh, two bowls of like noodles in, on my dresser <laughs> that I move over. I started with like 110 or 111 days left and I just like, at the, every night I just like move one noodle to one bowl together. But kind of like my little ritual of my countdown kind of keep me, keep me motivated and and all the things, because I mean, it, it takes a lot of work for sure. It takes a lot of work to get to get stuff done. No matter what your business is, nothing is free from like uh, nothing is free from effort in some way, shape, or form. So, That's so true. <laughs> yeah, I you know just like staying focused on ener- energy, like I kind of touched on before. Like, because there's so many food trucks here in Austin. There's like I don't you know like over 500 that are permitted. Some people are like, oh, there's a thousand. I'm like, well, there's like 500 that are permitted. So, you know, really just being like, who's, who am I going to resonate with energetically? How do I want to provide this, this experience to, to people? Because it's kind of like I'm not necessarily the restaurateur that I was. I mean, it's kind of like I am, but I don't, I don't have control over the kitchen, right? Like these, these food truck vendors are not, are not my employees. So I, I, I have a different kind of uh, responsibility inside of motivational cheerleader rah-rah, you know, so really being like, okay, I want, I want really great food vendor. I really want, I want really great food options, but also I want y'all like, you know, this is going to be a fun time and this is going to be like, you know, all the things, you know, so really working with people who are excited to be a part of it um, and really staying in that space from the beginning, like, and so that's that's my task. It's finding all the people who are like super excited about life all the time. I'm just kidding, but not really. <laughs> but you know, it's a lot. And so I appreciate yeah. all of the work that you're doing. You know, to create a space for food truck owners to shine. Um, the resources that are being provided, the support that they get, the traction they get, but also the sort of philanthropic aspect of it where it's not just people who are being fed at a rally, it's people that's being fed after the rally is over. Yes. Uh-huh. So 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 that that's big. And so I enjoy, you know, being a case judge because it allowed me to try from all this stuff like, okay, all this is great, but what's the thing I want to eat more of? And then I can go to that truck and mm. I can buy the whole meal. So I Got definitely it. enjoyed it. And you know, knowing that, you know, you can get something 25 trucks and it's also going to feed a person for five days, three meals a day is also great. So for all yeah. of those that's listening, Truck Land is going to be that third weekend to October 19th. Did I get that right? Yes, ma'am. October 19th. Make sure you're following them on Instagram at Trucklandia Fest. And yep. then make sure you go to the website, trucklandia.com. Get your ticket. Is it on sale? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I gotta go get my ticket then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got, we got one under your name for your name. I, I appreciate you. I'm, I'm gonna make sure that I can get as many people in Austin to come up and show out, or maybe they can be like me and just fly on in and check it out. But Hey, this has been absolutely amazing. Thank you for all of the gems that you have dropped. I am sure that people are going to learn from this episode for days and weeks to come. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you. And, um, yeah, until next time then, huh? Yeah, until October. All right, my friend.
Well, look, I'm out of time, but I'm definitely not out of material. Once again, thank you for kicking it with me for another episode of the Food Truck Scholar Podcast. If you are a food truck owner that would like to be a guest or a listener that has suggestions for a food truck I should try, email me at ariel, that's A-R-I-E-L, at thefoodtruckscholar.com. And make sure you follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as The Food Truck Scholar to stay up to date on the latest in the food truck world. I'm your host, Ariel D. Smith, signing off and reminding you to eat local, buy local, and support your local food truck owners. I'll see you next week.